Thank you for checking out the Real Life Columbus podcast. Real Life Columbus is a student ministry of North Highland Church in Columbus, Georgia. We exist to help students know that Christ has reached down to us with love, provide a place students can be engaged in community, and help them advance in their faith so they can lead others to Christ. For more information or to connect with us, please visit our website, www.realifecolumbus.com, or check us out on social media at Real Life Columbus. us to do something very different right now. In this reverent state of worship, I want everyone in this room to grab somebody shoulder to shoulder all across this room, and we need to be connected. Every single person in this room, I want you connected to someone right now. I want you to shoulder to shoulder get connected. And here's the thing, with no one talking, no one one being a distraction, this microphone is a distraction. There we go. I don't know about you, but I have felt in the supernatural this week that the enemy of our soul wants to disunify this family. I believe very strongly that his desire is to steal, kill, and destroy the unity of real life. Maybe it's through a a hurtful text message you got from a good friend. Maybe it's through a failure, your own or someone else's. Maybe it's because you don't feel welcome. That's a lie from the pit of hell. This is a family. And if this is your first time, I thank you for being a part of this family. And right now we are about to pray that the Spirit of God would fall on this family again. I'm going to ask that Juan would leave that, that one part fall fresh on us as a unified family tonight. And so as we're together, something happens, something powerful happens when we worship together, unified, not fragmented, not separated, not put in isolation, but when we worship together, the Spirit of God is pleased with it. So come on, one, let's sing it one more time and sing it out with your friends, your family, Spirit of God. Oh God, fall fresh on us. as one body, Satan, we come against every scheme that you have to divide us. We rebuke you. You cannot have our friends. You cannot have our future. You cannot have this family. We rebuke you. You must leave. Every temptation, every pitfall, every failure is covered in the blood of Jesus. And that blood makes us brothers. That blood makes us sisters. That blood unifies us as one body. And together we can do the impossible. So God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for this family. And God, I pray right now in this moment, God, I pray you would remind us of the good times. I pray you would remind us of the moments we've shared together at the altar. 
I pray that you would remind us of the moments we shared together at fall retreat, at youth camp, at summer events. God, help us, remind us to know that this is our family. God, we ask that you would give us the strength to never let a family member die. To never let a family member go and be missed without being noticed. God, we ask that you would help us to be unified, Jesus. So in these next few moments, may your word inspire us to be the family of friends, brothers, and sisters that you've called us to be as Real Life Student Ministries. In the mighty and powerful and perfect name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody shouted in one accord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Give somebody a hug. Praise you, Jesus. and I'm going to get you ready for camp. If you can just go ahead and camp out right there. My boy Paxton and the Real Life slash Columbus Leadership College worship team is going to be leading worship next week at youth camp for the first time. Pretty excited about that. I'm going to pray for the word. Y'all ready for God's word tonight? Lord, I pray for your anointing right now to flow. God, you've stirred us. You've called us to unity. So God, may your word come forth with integrity. May your word come forth with power. May your word be received. May your seed fall on good soil tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. I want to give a, a very sincere and... It's, it's really a, uh, it's not an easy thing to say goodbye, um, so we're not going to, but this is Hannah Shue's last week at Real Life, and I want to publicly honor her and say thank you, Hannah, for all of the many years that you have poured into our lives, given of yourself, loved students, worshiped your God and inspired many of us. Hannah is moving, but that doesn't mean she's not family. So Hannah, we commit to you right now in this moment that you are always our family. And we will pray for you. We will love you no matter how far away you choose to move. You always have a place here. And I just want to start by saying we should give honor where honor is due. So thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight, the title of my message is Friends Don't Let Friends Die. Friends do not let friends die. Tonight is our last sermon from the perspective, the different perspective, the views. And tonight's view is, is from Jonathan, not, not this Jonathan, but Jonathan in Scripture, David's true friend. Tonight you need to recognize that so many people will come and go in and out of your life. I, I personally, I have not seen somebody that... I have actually graduated with in a couple of years now. And it's really interesting because um, those people that I graduated high school with were some of the most influential people in my life back then. We can't let all the people that come and go in and out of our lives prevent us from seeing how vitally important our relationships with one another are. Sometimes... God moves us like God is moving Hannah. 
and, and we have to love one another from a distance. But the, the fact of the matter remains that the person sitting to your left and to your right, in front of you and behind you, they are vitally important and impact your life in a major way. See, the first point tonight is our friends can push us to become more than we could ever become on our own. Our friends could push us and make us do things that we would never do on our own. I, I remember football games personally. Y'all like football? I, it was fun. I did some silly stuff. I was one of those dudes that painted the letters on his chest and went out bare, bare chested. I didn't have muscles like Sam Nadem, okay? I was scrawny and white, and I was, I, I think I was the S, <laughs> okay? And we would do silly things. I would run, and we'd, we'd wear, like, mismatched clothes on purpose to look stupid, right? And we're like, ah, crazy, we love you, go football team, like, and we're pom-poms and noisemakers and all this stuff, right? Y'all do it. I've seen Clayton Shirley. True story. Not anymore. Running with flags. See, the thing about it is I would not do that if I weren't with a close-knit circle of friends. You better believe I wouldn't be doing it by myself. So friends push us. You better believe I, that's not my personality. And Caitlin Watts had to quiet down Clay Shirley and the Blue Devils crowd when they fought. But here's the thing. You better believe that Clay and the, the whole student section at Columbus High School still screamed and lost their voices and acted a fool until the end of that game. And the reason is this, because they had one another to push them to not give up and to not lose hope. One another, we can push one another if we're together. We were the East Paulding Raiders, my high school. That's my alma mater. <laughs> my wife says we were the redneck poor school. My best friend, my best friend lived with his grandpa and we called him Pawpaw, right? And in the backyard at Pawpaw's house, it was seriously redneck. There was grass like the size of me, and there was this old, beat-up, broke-down van. And this van was that, that type of van. It was long. It was big. And it's that type of van that had the real curtains in the windows, right? Y'all know this? High ceiling. And so here's what the power of friendship can do. It pushes you to do things you wouldn't normally do. This guy who knows nothing about auto mechanics and his circle of friends that were just as smart as me about fixing a car decided to take this broke down van and we dragged it out into the front and we stripped it. We, we got it to run. That was a miracle in and of itself. We got it to crank. We took all the seats out of the back and we spray painted the outside our school colors. We made a huge R for the Raiders, the symbol of our school. And it was just this huge, we took out the seats and put shag carpet all on the inside for all of us to chill when we were strolling down the street. It was awesome. The windshield was cracked so much so that you couldn't see outside from the inside. And so what did we do? We just decided, you know what, let's just remove it completely and roll down the road without a windshield. It's okay. We're riding in a busted up, spray painted van with no seats and shag carpet. A windshield's not gonna matter, right? And that's what we did, that's what happens. When friends get together and, and do something, they, they begin to make a difference in areas that they would never make a difference in on their own. And so you better believe, when we fixed up this awesome mess of a van, we, we enrolled it and endorsed it and put it into our homecoming parade. I don't know if y'all even have homecoming parades in Columbus. But we, we, we rode down that parade so proud. We had like 30 guys on the shag carpet, like falling out of the band with no windshield. It was incredible. Tonight, there's people in this room that have pushed you to be better. There's people in this room who inspire you. There's people in this room who challenge you. There's people in this room who love you unconditionally. For myself, 
there is a team of adult leaders in this room that make me want to be the best youth pastor in the nation because of their encouragement, because of their sacrificial support, and because of their leadership in my life. This is a family. Proverbs 27, 17, and it's coming up on the screen, says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You are to sharpen one another, real life. The scripture is speaking about influence. We cannot help but influence one another. You're both being influenced by people around you, and you are influencing others all at the same time. One definition of influence is, is so intriguing to me. This, it's actually the second definition in Webster's Dictionary. It says that influence is the power to cause changes without directly forcing them to happen. That happens each and every day in your lives by your friends. The scary part about this truth is this. You become what you are influenced by. You become that. And just because you're not actively participating in what's happening around you does not mean that you aren't being influenced by it. What do you mean, Pastor Jonathan? You guys are influenced by posts on social media even though you had no role in, in posting it. You're influenced by text messages and conversations and inside jokes even though you're not the key communicator. It influences us. You may not want be 100% in agreement with the message being communicated in the music that you listen to, and you had no part in creating it, but it influences you nonetheless when you listen. We are being influenced every single moment. Here's the point. The people you who are with you now are shaping your behavior even without directly meaning to. They're shaping who you are. They're shaping who you'll become. I've heard it over and over. One of my spiritual mentors told me in a nine-month program, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Because that's what our friends can influence us so powerfully. As iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Your personal and spiritual refining process will be determined by the people who you rub shoulders with. Whether you, here's, here's the difference. As iron sharpens iron, they will, the people you surround yourself with and rub shoulders with, they will sharpen you or they will make you spiritually dull. They will encourage you and inspire you to be a better person. Or they will tempt you to compromise and settle for less in this life. It's one or the other. There's no gray. It's black or it's white. It is nowhere in between. Someone next to you is going to either positively influence you or negatively influ influence you. We want to make it gray and say, you know what, I'll take the good and leave the bad and we'll just chill, right? No. It's black and white. They will make you strong in your convictions or they will be a huge source of drama when you mess up and compromise. As I read tonight's story in the scripture in 1 Samuel 18, I want you to ask yourself this. Who is influencing you? Who are you allowing close enough to change who you are? 1 Samuel 18 verses 1 through 4. David had just killed the giant Goliath. And this is the story that follows after winning the victory, cutting the giant's head off, taking it to the king. This is what happened. After David had finished talking with King Saul, he met Jonathan, this king's son. There was an immediate bond between them. For Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David. Because he loved him as he loved himself, Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, with his sword, with his bow, and with his belt. What was taking place here? Jonathan was giving David the kingdom that he was entitled to. Jonathan was the king's son. 
He was taking off his kingly garments. And young person, I want you to hear this very loudly and very clearly tonight. The best way that you can express the sacrificial love of Jesus is through living your life not for yourself but for your friends. The best way to show Jesus is alive in you is to stop living for yourself and start living for one another. Like Jonathan did with David. Jesus said it in this way. He said the words of our Lord and Savior. There is no greater love than this than that one would lay down their life for a friend. I think Jesus was brilliant because he wasn't just talking about being nailed to a cross. He was talking about laying your life down when you're still living. Laying your life down, laying your responsibility, your rights, your privileges, your entitlements. You know what? I may not be able to behave a certain way because I'm influencing someone that's close to me. Jonathan was next in line to the throne of Israel. He was the son of the king. He was entitled and rightfully the one who should have had the position after King Saul. And he shows us what true friends look like in this story as he takes off his tunic, takes away his sword, his bow, and his belt, all of which were symbolic of his right to the throne. See, when you ask yourself the question, who's influencing you, you need to recognize that Jonathan cared more about God's approval than society's social norm. Jonathan cared more about his heavenly father than his own father. King Saul wanted Jonathan to take the throne, not David, but Jonathan cared more about God's approval. See, it would have been socially acceptable to take the throne after his father. That's normal. It makes sense. But Jonathan was more concerned about the anointing of heaven than what was culturally acceptable. What would happen if we had a room full of teenagers that could care less about what culture told them to be and to do, and they cared more about Jesus? So let's practically apply this to our lives today. There are so many things in our culture today that are socially acceptable that are simply not biblically right. There's so many things in our culture that are simply not right, but we are socially accepting them. I believe that Jonathan shows us that we, are, that, that we as a generation, and this may sting, it may hurt a little, but you need to hear it very loudly. Jonathan shows us as a generation we're not committed to one another like we should be. I'm going to say that again. We're not committed enough to one another. Many times the people we socialize with and the people we allow to influence our perspective on life the most are, are less like sacrificial friends like Jonathan who would rather see you succeed than take a successful position themselves. The people we allow to influence us are not people who would rather see you in heaven than have a few cheap thrills with you while you're here on earth. But the people who influence our life the most, if we really look closely at them, the people we spend the most time with, we probably have more what I call frenemies than friends. What do you mean, pastor? You can't tell the difference. Because one day they're your friend and the next day they're your enemy. One day they're, they're trying to be buddy-buddy with you. The next day they're leading you straight to hell. They may look like friends, but they really, in reality, spiritually, are enemies to your spiritual health and development. See, many times we don't realize how much our behavior and the choices we make day to day affect the people that surround our lives. People are watching. People are watching your decisions, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not whether you're trying to influence them or not, people will see what you choose to be and they will model their lives after you. It's summertime. That means swimming. That means good times, right? That means more time for romance, hey? Right? No, thank you. No. I, I received that from this section, no. Praise the Lord. 
the next few the next few comments I'm about to make they may seem out of context with this Bible story but I hope to prove to you and show to you that they're not gentlemen in this room if you have a girlfriend you need to maintain the view or the perspective that she is your friend and not yours physically she is a spiritual sister Jesus bought her spirit with a price which means Jesus is her father and you have a responsibility young man to see her as a sister until you commit to a covenant marriage relationship with her before God if you go there physically with her before marriage you are doing so with your sister it's a different view but it's the truth and someone else's wife she's not yours she's someone else's therefore therefore if she is your sister which she is and if she is someone else's wife which she probably is and you still choose to go there with her therefore you are being a terrible brother and a terrible friend in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ladies, with all maturity and sincerity, before I say this, I love each and every one of you. I'm married to the most beautiful woman on the face of this planet. And I tell you that because she too had to be corrected in this department. Ladies, if your bathing suit is more skimpy than Victoria's Secret, if your bathing suit is more skimpy than Victoria's Secret, and there is no secret to the way your body looks, and it tells us all the story, then you need to know and I'm being a true friend and a spiritual father to you right now by telling you that modesty is really the hottest. Modest is hottest. Now, I know that's funny and we're laughing, but it's serious. But ladies, I need you to hear this very clearly. Listen close to me, ladies. This is not a joke. Not only is you wearing something that reveals every part of you. Not only does it affect who is with you at the pool or by the lake, but if you so choose to post it on social media, and because, oh, look at how cute my body is, then you will become a source of lust, and you will, become, you will be reduced to an object of desire rather than being seen for the incredible woman of God you're called to be. You're better than that. You're precious to God. You're not an object of lust. You're a woman of virtue. Don't put it on social media. Don't wear it. Don't put it on social media. Be a good influence to our gentlemen. Last thing, ladies. You may look hot in the world's eyes. And your scrub of a boyfriend is more likely going to approve. But I'm the friend who is here to, to help you see the black and white and not the gray. This, that being able to wear a white wedding dress on the day you get married, that symbolically communicates that you have kept yourself pure for your husband only. I'm the friend that's telling you that the white dress looks so much better than the skimpy bikini that will lead you to losing your purity. You want the white dress. People are watching you. People are watching your decisions, whether you like it or not. Pastor, that's not fair. I should be able to wear what I want. I understand. My life is under a microscope. Always. You want me to wear a Speedo? Come on now. Praise God, I'm not going to do it. Let's, let's move off of that. I'm, so, I'm not sorry. Here we go. 
I want you to understand this tonight. You don't get to choose your family, but you get to choose your friends. Jonathan had a dad who Jonathan found to be corrupt. He couldn't choose his, his messed up dysfunctional family. But he chose to place value in David, his friend. Jonathan chose to break social protocol. The people around us need us more than we think they do. They need us to be a real friend and stop playing with fire. Without a friend like Jonathan, there would be no King David. And if you and I don't stop living for our own selfish wants and desires and motivations, the people around us will never see the God-given potential that is in their lives either. We've got to live not just for ourselves, but for one another. The influence that we have and the power we possess in one another's lives is so much more black and white than we tend to recognize. Jonathan learned quickly to be intentional with his friendship with David, and he laid down his position for David's benefit. Here's some more context to the scripture I'm about to read. King Saul understood the situation. He saw from a distance what Jonathan was doing when he took off his garment and took off his sword. David was the one who killed the giant. David had the favor of God. Then the prophet anointed him. David was victorious in battle. David was loved by Jonathan. And Saul was incredibly jealous. And none of us in this room have ever had friends who were jealous of us, right? And we sure have never been jealous of one of our own friends, right? Never. That doesn't happen at real life. And Saul wanted rid of David. I'm sick of this joker. Get rid of him. I'm, I can't stand his face. Get him out of my sight. And multiple times, King Saul tried to attack David and threw spears at him. And David knew that his own life was at risk the longer he stayed around Saul. So David told Jonathan about his situation. Your dad can't stand me. If I stick around, I'm dead, man. And Jonathan was skeptical, so they had this exchange that shows us what loyal friendship looks like. They make a plan. Look, if, if we do this, it'll prove my dad either hates you or still loves you. And in 1 Samuel 20, verses 13 through 17, it says this, But if my father is angry and wants you killed, may the Lord strike me and even kill me. If I don't warn you so that I, you may escape and live, I wish that I wish that a room full of real life student ministry family would be willing to warn one another so that we could escape the pitfalls that the enemy has in front of us. He said, may the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. And may you treat me with faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. And if I die, treat my family. I can't choose my family. So if I die, treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the planet. So Jonathan made a solemn pact with David, saying, may the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again. For Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. I hope, I pray, my desire for this group of amazing, world-changing young people is that you would love one another like that. See, there's three types of friends. I'm going to invite the rest of the band to come as I close. There's three types of friends that we see in this story. Number one, there are Saul's. Some of your friends are like King Saul. They will stab you in the back. They will check out and abandon you relationally, and they care only about themselves. That's the first type of friend. The second type of friend are Jonathan's. They will pray for you. They will sacrifice for you. They will watch out for you and do what it takes for you to get the best out of this life. That's a good friend. That's the kind of friend I want. I'm proud to be named after him. And then lastly, there's David's. They are the leaders in your life that inspire you to become more than you ever believed possible. Leaders will tell you the truth even when it's painful to hear it. The story goes on, and Jonathan comes up with this plan to see the true intentions of King Saul. And it's revealed that Saul is going to stop at nothing to kill David. 
Young person, I need you to know tonight that when you know something can bring pain and destruction to someone and you do nothing to prevent it, you are no longer a true friend. You are acting more like an enemy. You have got to, if you know something's going to hurt your, your close friends and your circle of influence, you better put a stop to it or try your hardest to warn them. You can't make decisions for one another, but you sure do have influence over one another. When you know something can bring harm and pain to someone you know and claim to love, then you are responsible to act. When you know your friend is smoking weed and getting deeper and deeper in over their head and you do nothing to prevent it, that is not friendship. When your best friend is getting deeper and deeper in a physical relationship with their boyfriend or their girlfriend and you do nothing, that is not friendship. When your accountability group keeps having to confess mess-ups and you do nothing to stop the cycle, that's not friendship. And I know that's hard to hear, but when it keeps being a cycle, you, you can't get different results by doing the same thing. You got to change. You got to move. You got to stop something. You got to get in the way of the evil that's trying to invade your circle of friends and accountability partners. Jesus said it like this in Matthew eleven twenty three: Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So it's black and white. Someone in your life, whether they call themselves a friend or an enemy, they're either for you or against you. Jesus made a clear line in the sand. He said, you're either with me or you're not. And that's the reality of your relationships with one another. The reality is this. If you're not making your friend's relationship with Jesus stronger, you're working against what God is trying to do in their lives, and that is extremely selfish of you. Jonathan made the right decision to do something about what was happening, and his friend's life was eventually saved because of it. Students, I want you to hear tonight that making the right decisions may not win over the popular consensus, but it will reveal what friends you can truly trust, the friends that are with you till the very end. But it takes doing the right thing. The hardest part about this story as I'm reading through it and, and combing over the different aspects and elements of this story, the hardest part is following in, in 1 Samuel 18, verse 29. It, it shows the true condition of Saul's heart, and, and it says this, I'm quoting it, Saul chose to remain David's enemy for the rest of his life. We have a choice, and unfortunately Saul chose to hate David, to want to destroy David, to want nothing to do with David. God's anointing was on David and Saul could care less. I want to tell you tonight that true friends won't write one another off. They also won't, won't let one another stay the same. If you are in a relationship and it's just, I'm not talking lovey-dovey, I'm talking friend circle, your close tight-knit group, and you want to write someone off in that group, you have the spirit of Saul in your life. You need to get rid of that because it will lead you to where one day you'll be trying to function in the anointing of God and in the calling of God, and that calling and that anointing and that gifting will be lifted off of your life and you won't even realize it. This is a student ministry of love, acceptance, and forgiveness, and we are not men and women of God who choose to write someone off because they make mistakes. We're not men and women of God who choose to neglect to spend time talking and reaching out to one another because I just don't like their attitude. We are people who love one another despite our differences, despite our skin color, despite our whether you can dance or not because y'all love me and I sure can't dance. We have got to be better friends. And I believe that God is calling us to a deeper level of unity in this room. So right now, I want everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to call right now, not 
not college-age leaders, but I want to call my parents, my adult core leadership team, up to the front right now quickly. And we're about to have an altar call. Stand to your feet, everybody in this room. Close your eyes. We're about to get some things right, and, and here's the thing. The reason I'm, I'm asking only the mature adults in this room to be up here is for this reason. Some of my college leaders need to step it up. Some of my college leaders need to stop living for yourself and start living for the students that are in this room. Some of the, some of the college leaders are in this room thinking that their close-knit circle of college friends is enough, but you need to start living not just for that close-knit circle of friends, but you need to start living for the, the person in this room you don't know because they're valuable to God. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed in this moment, no one talking, no one being a distraction, the first relationship we've got to get right, first and foremost, some of us in this room do not have a right relationship with Jesus. And Jesus wants to be your friend. He is our ever-present help in time of need. He is a friend that sticks closer to a brother. He is a friend that forgives a multitude of wrongs. He is the friend whose blood covers our sin and makes us whole. He is the friend that sets us free. He is the friend that paid our price to spend eternity with God in heaven and not spend an eternity being separate from God in hell. So tonight, the very first friendship we need to get straight, if you're in this room and you know your relationship with God is strained, you know your relationship with God is non-existent, you know that there's so much sin in your life that, that Jesus can't be with you because he can't coexist with sinful behavior. And you need Jesus to forgive you. That forgiveness is free. It's right here. It's right now. All you got to do is say, I am a sinner in need of grace, and I believe that Jesus can give that to me. So if you want to fix your first and foremost relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand and hold it high. I want to pray with you. God, help us. Thank you, Lord, for every single person. Don't miss this opportunity. Jesus can change you. Jesus can free you. The things that you think you're bound to and can never get free of, Spirit of God can transform you right now in this moment. But you've got to have the relationship with Jesus right first. So if that's you, one more opportunity. Raise your hand and hold it high. I want to pray with you right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for all of these awesome people. Repeat after me, everyone in this room. Dear Jesus, I need your love. I need your forgiveness. I need you to accept me. And in order for you to do that, I recognize tonight that my sin has to be removed. And the only way that happens is through the sacrificial blood that you paid on Calvary's cross for my sin. I believe that you took my penalty and I believe that you are the Son of God, that you rose from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same Spirit that rose you from the dead can resurrect my life, can resurrect my relationship with you, God. So right now, I dedicate my life to you, and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's celebrate. Here's what we're going to do. Who influences you? Who have you influenced? Some of us are full of guilt because we've led some people that we claim to love in a direction they should never go. Some of us in this room are filled with guilt because we followed somebody we should have never followed. Some of us in this room have felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, this whole message, knowing that there is some friends that 
we choose to associate with that we need to cut off the influence. Not reject them, not, not, not hate them, not say you're no longer welcome, but say you're no longer influencing my life. Taking a stand for who you want to become in your spiritual walk with Jesus. So in the next few moments, they're going to play, we're going to worship, and, and I want to challenge you. If you fall in any of those spectrums, maybe you're the person who allowed the spirit of Saul to get into your relationships and you're trying to write some people off that God does not want you to write off. You need to get to this altar and ask for forgiveness and ask to be released from that spirit because it will destroy the unity of this ministry and it will destroy what God wants to do in this community. And God wants us to be something great. God wants us to be men and women of God that people look to from a distance and say, that's what I wanna be like. And here's the last thing I'm gonna say and I'm gonna say, come. Jesus said this. He said, they will know that you are my disciples for your love one for another. And so if you don't get to this front altar for prayer for yourself, but you know your relationships and your friendships are estranged in this room, you better get to them and ask for their forgiveness and get things right because we're a unified family in this place. So God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for courage. I pray for motivation. I pray for inspiration that the students that have felt your spirit over the past few moments would respond. And God, you would meet with us at these altars. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Come, students, let's do this right now. Come.
Isaac, isn't the family of God so good? Oh, I love this family. I love this student ministry. I love you so much, students. We love you. We're here for you. We care about you. It's time. It's time for us to be the influencers God's called us to be. And we're not going to allow the enemy to stop us from doing that. So God, right now, we thank you for what you've done in our hearts. We thank you for the reminder, the holy reminder, that we are with one another for a purpose. You've divinely appointed our relationships in this room. You've sent us to one another. So God, I pray that the courage of heaven would be infused in every person in this room right now to, to stop living for ourselves and start living for one another. God, right now I start and I commit I will not live for myself. I will live for this family. I will serve this family. I will give of myself to this family. I will sacrifice for this family. I will pour my life out and my heart out for this family. And I will not allow the enemy to try to destroy that or take that from me. And so I make that commitment to you, God. And if you're with me and if you're wanting to make that same commitment, let's just raise our hands to Jesus and ask him to, to give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the determination to do exactly that. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Bless these young people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's praise God. Praise God.